Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to the Grief to Growth podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he's here to help you grow where you've been planted. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. His sincere hope is that this episode helps you today. And now, a brief word from our sponsor. When I decided I was going to do a podcast, I knew there were more moving parts than most people expect. How do you record a podcast? Where do you host it? How much will it cost? Do I need special software? How do I distribute it? All these questions were in my mind. I was all set to go with another podcast hosting company. Then I heard about Anchor. I believe that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place. You can use it right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor is not only free, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M as in FM radio. And now back to our episode. This bonus episode of the podcast is a conversation between myself and Bridget Tello. Bridget is a life coach, a business coach, and she is the host of the podcast, The Truth About Living. I've known Bridget for, I guess, a little over a year now. We've had several conversations And a few weeks ago, she made a comment on Facebook about meditation and whether it's for everyone or not. And I have a different opinion about meditation. I think that everyone should practice some sort of meditation or mindfulness. So Bridget and I sat down to discuss that and see if we could come to a meeting of the minds, which I think we did by the end. But sit back, relax, enjoy it, and figure out uh, where you come down on it. Okay. Hi, Brian. Uh, thanks for joining me for a conversation today about meditation. I've been interested in um, having this conversation with you and uh, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. Yeah. Um, so we connected, I don't know, maybe about a year or so ago and I've had a couple calls and I've kind of kept in touch and um, I love um, what I know about you and the work you're doing in the world. And I'll ask you about that here or there and also give people a chance to get in, t- in contact with you um, if they want to do so for your own coaching and your own speaking. Sure. Uh, yeah. But, but so just 
before we get into the topic of meditation, um, maybe just a little bit about the work that you're doing even right in the world, just so people have a framework of who you are. And then we'll talk about uh, the topic today, which is really about um, the nature of meditation and uh, the question um, to meditate or not meditate, right? Sure. So what are you doing in the world? Just real briefly, what I'm doing in the world right now is uh, my daughter, 15-year-old daughter, passed away suddenly four years ago. And kind of, I was already on a spiritual journey, but that just kind of totally accelerated it. So since that time, I've been slowly helping people uh, through an organization called Helping Parents Heal, helping other parents going through, through grief. And I've recently written a book on grief called Grief to Growth. It's grief, the number two growth. And it's about how we can actually grow through difficult times. Uh, I've also put up a website, same website, grieftogrowth.com. And I'm doing life coaching and I call myself a grief partner. I'm not a certified grief counselor, but I have obviously a lot of experience uh, in dealing with my own grief and dealing, helping other parents you know, deal with their grief. So that's the offering that I've got to help people out. Um, and I got into meditation or mindfulness probably, wow, at this point, 20 years ago, um, dealing with anxiety, you know, anxiety and depression and trying to find a, a natural organic way to deal with that. Yeah. So thanks for giving us a little background on that. And so I knew that about your daughter and about your work and, um, you had shared with me that part of your spiritual journey, you know, had been going on for much of your life but that it really had, um, increased your pursuit of, of, I guess maybe the big questions of life. Right. Um, yeah after she passed, right? So meditation has been a part of your life, both from uh, years ago when you had anxiety and depression, you said, mm-hmm. and then also yes. uh, you continue today. Is that right? Meditating as well. It's a part oh, of Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, so this, so this conversation we're going to have about meditation um, may be, so let me just kind of put this out there, uh, which you may know this a little bit, Brian, because you've been following my post and my videos on my Facebook page, right? Which yeah. I like to share a lot there. I like to go and talk about life um, on the Facebook page. So you may know this kind of as we're coming into this conversation, which is really just a very natural organic conversation. This is not, you know, an interview per se, right. but to let everyone who's listening know that the way we're approaching this conversation is that um, I am going to just authentically share my experience with meditation. And for me personally, I spent a lot of years meditating and have in the last year have stopped meditating. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I'm for or against meditation. It's not that I have judgments around it, but I am curious around this whole uh, topic of meditation and even the movement. I think there's a movement behind meditation, getting it in schools. And, and it's just kind of taking on um, a presence of its own, right? And it's like, if you are in, on a spiritual path, then you need to be meditating. And people yeah. even have meditation guilt, I think, if they're not doing it, right? So yes. I yes. Just think it's a very interesting topic. And um, so that's kind of where we're coming from today as we kind of enter into this conversation. Um, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think about that? How do you feel about that? I, I totally agree. Um, you know, it's interesting because I come from a fundamentalist background where there was a lot of shoulds and musts, right? You must do this. You should do this. And dealing with parents now and every, every parent asks, how do I connect with my child? How do I raise my vibration? How does, and everybody always says meditate. And then people are like, oh, I can't meditate. What does that mean? And I've, and I've talked to friends and they, I, you know, they'll say, I can't sit still for five minutes. How do you sit for 30 minutes? So there is, there is, um, there's fear around it. There's, 
am I doing it right? What type of meditation do I do? There's meditation teachers, there's meditation books, there's meditation workshops. Um, and so I understand the, the kind of a pushback against something that's supposed to be universal because I don't think we should say that too many people should do any, everybody has to do anything. But what I, what I advise people is, you know, I think if you haven't, if you're not, if you don't like meditation, you just haven't found what works for you yet. And I think that the traditional thought of, I have to sit in a room on the floor, cross leg. I use an altar with, you know, with incense and it's got to be 30 minutes. I think that turns a lot of people off. So I tell people there are lots of different ways. And I like to use the word mindfulness as opposed to meditation. Cause I don't think everybody should meditate, but I think everybody should practice mindfulness and you can do that in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought the mindfulness part into it as well. Um, I know when I used to give talks on mindfulness, I would say there's a, in my perspective, there's an informal version of that, which is the way you live your life every day. Right. And, and being in the present moment and kind of a philosophy even, whereas uh, formal mindfulness, I thought felt like meditation. Right. And there's all kinds of ways to meditate. Um, so from my background, I, I don't know exactly when I started meditating, but I know I was curious about it eight or 10 years ago, you know, so I would go to like a Dampa center, the Buddhist center here in Raleigh. And just, I remember going to a class, it was like, um, I don't know, meditation in a nutshell or something. It was like, they were, like your intro class to meditation. I remember the first time that I sat there on the bench and experienced it. Um, but then years, I think maybe two or Three years later, I learned transcendental meditation and became, I guess, a little bit more structured or a little more serious about the practice. And so you've followed my work for a while. You know, I've even taught meditation. I've sold meditation recordings. I was posting a lot about even um, trying to normalize meditation because I thought, gosh, if I want to sit, you know, on a park bench and meditate, does it range or is it becoming more commonplace? Right. And so I was talking about that a lot. And so that's kind of my background in it and Mm -hmm. um, how I was approaching meditation. Uh, I'll share kind of my personal part about how I've shifted that over the last year. But um, when you talk about when you meditate that you, you know, you do 30 minutes, you use incense and you are also saying you understand everybody doesn't want that approach. Right. And it's not that everybody needs to meditate, but that's your approach. Right. So how did how does that look in your life and what does that do for you? Do you think? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, again, I hear some people say, am I doing it right? I hear different types of meditation. And I'm not a meditation expert by any means, except for my own practice. And so what I've done when it comes to my spirituality, my faith, my religion, whatever you want to call it, and my meditation practice is I've made it my own. So I have studied some techniques. I started off with what's called contemplative prayer because of my Christian background, because my Christian friend said you shouldn't meditate, but it's okay to do contemplative prayer. So you would you know, concentrate on a verse or something or concentrate on a lyric of a, of a, a Christian song or something like that. Uh, I've done meditations where it's just follow the breath. Um, so for me, what it's evolved to is I, I use an app. I love apps. So I use that for my fitness. I use it for meditation. I use an app called Insight Timer. And so Insight Timer will track anything, but I use to track my meditations. And I try to do, as I said, about 30 minutes a day. And in 2017, I, took, I signed up for a challenge because I like challenges. And the challenge was to meditate for 365 days in a row. So I, I joined a group. I meditate for 365 days in a row. And at the end of the year, I said, why not keep doing it? I like it. So I'm up to like 950 days at this point. Wow. But, um, no, that's my practice. Now, my wife never was interested in meditation. 
uh, until after my daughter passed. And then she's like, she needed to find something to calm herself and to deal with the grief and stuff. She has a different practice. She uses something similar. She can't sit on the floor because of her knees. So she, she lies down, you know, she's, and I, I always joke with her. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're taking a nap. You're not meditating, but that's what works for her. Not everybody can, can sit, you know, because she physically can't sit. Um, what I've added to my practice recently is I walk every morning for about an hour and a half and I've added a half hour of silence at the beginning of my walk. I listen to podcasts or I listen to music while I'm walking. And I do, so I do a walking meditation every morning in addition to my sitting meditation. And that's just, Practicing being in the moment, feeling my feet hit the sidewalk, listening to the birds. Um, and then there's this practice of, okay, so you'll, your mind will start to go back and you think about the past and bring yourself back to the present. Or your mind will go forward. What do I need to do when I get back home? And you bring yourself to, back to the present. So the thing about meditation, it's that practice of coming back. And that's what you're trying to really develop is the ability to focus on where you want to focus. And that's why I prefer the term mindfulness. Because most people are so caught up in their thoughts that they identify with their thoughts. They think, I am my thoughts. And they don't even understand that you're not your thoughts. So one of the goals of meditation is to kind of make that separation between what your thoughts are and who you are. And to learn that you can maybe not choose your thoughts because thoughts kind of come to us, but you can control, you can choose what you're, you're going to focus on. And that's the benefit of meditation because you know, going through grief like I've gone through, and, and I just this past weekend had to, uh, my 14 year old dog, I had to put her to sleep. And for the last, you know, five days, it's been a, another grief journey for me. So I'm like, I can choose to focus on the moment when I had to put her to sleep and what I'm missing now that she's not here, or I can choose to focus on the 14 and a half years I had with her. And so when I start to go down that path of, of thinking about what I don't have, I use my mindfulness to bring me back to know this is what I choose to concentrate on. I choose to concentrate on, on the good times. And that, 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 that's the benefit of meditation to me. That's a practical benefit is to being able to, when you're having a thought or a feeling that you don't want to be able to turn and say, this is what I choose to focus on. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says, send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Yeah. So I'm sorry about the loss of your dog. I have a 13 year old dog myself and we've lost pets and I know that is his own kind of grieving. So I'm sorry to hear that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I do like how you keep bringing in the distinction of mindfulness. So <clears throat> maybe we could talk about that for a moment too, because it is, I think what you're describing just in your conversation, you're touching on so many different forms of meditation that people don't even really think of as meditation. Right. Um, I used to say my dad, he would go um, fishing at the ocean, right at the pier or on the shore. He would go fishing a lot for hours. Um, and I'd go with him a lot, but he also go by himself a lot. And I always thought that's kind of his form of meditation, right? Sure. He didn't sit yeah. on the floor with his legs crossed and whatever, but he would do that. And um, so it's, there's kind of a, um, there's other things going on there, right? There's communion with nature, you might say, or mm -hmm. there's um, just space to, to, to be, 
right? Um, and some people might say, be, be alone with your thoughts, but you know, you're, you're touching on a really important um, aspect here, which is the, the awareness that we're not our thoughts, right? And so right. I think how right. deep you go into this practice is how much you begin to experience that. And so um, I really like how you're talking about um, the, I think the physical activity part that we don't often call meditation, you know, walking meditation or like mm -hmm. my husband doesn't meditate. He's never really been interested in the spiritual path that, that I've been interested in, but I'll see him do things that I think that's like his version. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. like with yard work or something, it's like where people yeah. go into gardening or something and they'll, they'll have that, um, that kind of similar experience of just presence, yeah. right? Presence. Um, so or just going outside and sitting in your deck, yeah. for example. You know, it's it's yeah. like, you know, you don't have to close your eyes and, and try to, you could just go sit in your deck. And if you live in, a, in an area where you can watch nature, just sit in your deck and, and watch the animals play or watch the, watch the leaves and the trees blow and just be, just be in that moment and, and practice mindfulness that way. Um, and sometimes when I'm sitting in my, in my meditation, you know, with my eyes closed, I have a, a big birch tree outside my window. And I'll open my eyes and I'll just watch the leaves. You know, I'll just watch the wind blow the leaves and I'll just be in that moment and think about the sunshine, you know, whatever, whatever's happening at that particular time. Yes, I love that. And so what I, what I think of when you say that is how our power is in the present moment. So you, you were talking about earlier how the mind tends to go um, uh, fast forward into the future. What do I need to do next? What's going to happen in the next hour, the next week, the next year? And also the mind tends to go backwards a lot. We want to relive, you know, the last conversation we had with someone, we want to relive something from two weeks ago or 10 years ago. And as much as we can get our mind in the present moment, I think that's where we have so much conscious, conscious choice and intention and power in our lives, right? And so meditation, I think for some people is just the practice of getting into that present moment. Um, but mindfulness is just a way of life of, of doing that regardless of if, if you're in a medit a formal meditation or not. Right. right? And so right. I have very much kept mindfulness, uh, as a, I feel like mindfulness is a part of who I am now because I've practiced it for so long. Right. Um, and I use the word practice because it's still, it's a continual noticing, you know, what's happening, mm -hmm. noticing that I'm dwelling on something, noticing that I'm anxious about something and bringing it back. Um, but the meditation part I've actually dropped. And so um, I want to talk a little bit about that because that's, that's something that is, I think, unusual for people to be meditating for a period of, of years and then to just stop suddenly. And I was actually kind of nervous about even, you know, I, I send uh, emails out to you know my subscribers and I post things and for a while, I didn't even want to talk about that because I was like, I think that in the spiritual community, I don't know if there's a place for people who just, you know, just yeah. don't want to meditate and just yeah. think that it's not for them. And so, and especially because I had, I had led like every coaching session with, do you want to take a moment? to kind of center, to, to do some breathing, to close your eyes, right? And so I, I stopped doing that. I stopped meditating um, completely. And so um, before I share what, what that experience was like for me and, and, and why I feel that that's, that's working for me, um, you're in the spiritual community. You meditate regularly. You followed my work. Does it sound strange to you that someone would be meditating for six or eight years and then just one day just stop and be done with it? 
I, but I think it depends on how you look at it. If, if, if it's become a chore to you, if it's become something that's another task on your to-do list, then I would say maybe it's time to give it up. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you've evolved to the point where you're mindful, you know, all the time and you don't need that formal time to sit down and be mindful. Um, so I wouldn't criticize someone for doing that. But I, for most of us, that's not the problem that we have. For most of us, and, and I work with a lot of people uh, I work, I'm working with a coach right now um, who's very spiritual and we start pretty much every session with like a mind, little mindfulness thing because we're all, we come to the session, we're all doing a million things and it's like, let's just take a moment to just get in the moment. And I think that's a good practice um, for myself. Like I'm, I'm trying to pick up a practice with him because I will sit at my computer all day long and just work, 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 work. And he takes a break, you know, like every hour and like every, it'll take a five minute break and get up and stretch and, and do some mindfulness. Um, so I think for most people, that is a, that is a good thing. Um, but again, I, we can met, we can be mindful in many different ways in many different times. So when I added my half hour in the morning to my, to my walk, where I just said, I'm going to shut off the music. I'm going to shut off the podcast. I'm going to do, you know, it's like, so do I count this as an hour, a half hour meditation? Do I put it on my timer? You know, I, no, I just, that's just part of what I'm doing now. And I find that that benefits me. Um, so I, again, I, I, I wouldn't push people to do meditation, but I would encourage people to be mindful. I think everybody should be doing some sort of mindfulness. Um, I think it's great. You were talking about how it's become kind of ubiquitous in our society and people talk about doing it in schools and stuff. And I was just reading a book yesterday about a near-death experiencer and she started teaching meditation in her, in her school in Texas. And of course, all the Christian parents came in and said, you got to stop this, you're devil worshiping, you know. Um, so it's still in our society. There is a segment that says it's a bad thing. And I really, really wish the people in our society could just take a step back before you react to things. You know, we, we would get along so much better if people had that ability to, to choose to, to uh, respond to something rather than react. And I think mindfulness can help with that. Just that, that gap between the stimulus and the response um, and being able to say, okay, what do I want to choose to do? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. So again, I love everything that you're saying. And it's so interesting because I've been on so many sides of this. You know, I grew up Christian and it just wasn't something you did. And then, then I was all into meditation. I was like, Oh, this is just the best thing ever. And now I'm kind of like, I've stepped back from like both sides. (laughs) Like I I can kind of see, you know, all the different perspectives and how meditation is viewed around the world. And, you know, there are monks that meditate for 10 hours a day. And then there's, you know, the, um, you know, Buddha at the gas pump or whatever. It's like in our regular modern day life, how do we incorporate this? Um, so 
I, I, when I would meditate, right, what I thought I was getting out of it, this is, you know, based on memory, you know, this is what I thought I was getting out of it was a sense of peace, right? Uh, relaxation, kind of a calming, um, and a recentering of the mind, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, I'm all for those things. I think that I also had a hidden objective when I would meditate, which was that I thought that meditation was going to <clears throat> improve my life. I thought that because I meditated, my relationships would be better. I thought that because I meditated, I would find success in a different way or quicker or bigger or whatever. Mm -hmm. I thought that because I meditated, I would be healthier. I, I thought, you know, I thought all these things. I thought that because I meditated, I would be a more um, resilient parent, right? Yeah. And I had this moment about a year and a half ago where I realized someone asked me, a mentor of mine asked me, you know, um, how has your life improved since you started meditating? And I started to look and I thought, you know, well, this is better, but that's worse. This is better, but that's the same. This is the same and that's a little worse. And so I was kind of just doing this, like I was taking stock and I was like, okay, well, I've been, I feel peaceful when I meditate. But, um, and so many people, and I have friends that will do, you know, these deep dives, these deep spiritual dives, like take, you know, ayahuasca and have these, you know, retreat experiences and everything. And they'll go into these states and they'll do all this other stuff. And it's like, that is so amazing for them. And I haven't, personally, I don't have any interest, interest in doing that, but it's like, I, I feel peaceful. I think I'm connecting to a higher power. I think I am, but cause I'm having like this for me, for meditations, it wasn't just the peacefulness. It was, I felt like I was connecting. Sometimes I would have experiences that I couldn't define mm -hmm. and I would put a meaning on it. Like, Oh, I'm connecting to my higher self or I'm connecting to what love is or I'm connecting to God, you mm -hmm. know, but, at the, but if you, if I really took an objective look at it, I don't really know what I was experiencing. I was experiencing tingling, you mm -hmm. know, I was experiencing that I was larger than my body sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think when we have people that are against meditation because of fears, it doesn't, you don't have to dive very deep. I, I just was joining a Facebook group recently where someone was talking about, it was, a, it was actually a, um, a group about the, the power of now. So not even like, you know, um, alternate reality kind of deep stuff. It was just like, this is, you know, about presence, Eckhart Tolle. And they were like, I meditated and I felt like I floated and I had all this fear and they were just freaking out, right? And so people have experiences as meditation that we can't really define what's happening. So there's that aspect of it. And then there's the aspect of it that at the end of the day, I wasn't entirely clear that meditation had really improved my life in the way that I thought it would. And sure. so is the peaceful state I get from it enough? So I just did an experiment because I've been meditating twice a day for 20 minutes, TM, Transcendental Meditation. That's what they recommend. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, well, let me just take a few days and not meditate and see what happens. Right. And I remember like, um, telling my husband, like I craved it. It was so strange. I would be, be in the car with him and I would just think I crave it, mm -hmm. which is a, I did not expect that, Yeah, you know? And so I just went the next day and didn't do it. And the next day and didn't do it. And so for me, it's just been a new choice right? It's a new choice that I feel like, okay, um, I can create my experience because I'm 
we're all, I believe, powerful spirits. We can create yeah. our experiences. And I have other things that give me peace. And so I'm just going to play with this. And it's just been going on for now over a year. And I'm okay. You know, I'm okay not meditating. But I've also had the practice of getting into present moment through mindfulness. So right. I don't feel like I'm seeking the other stuff so much. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that how mindful you are about your not meditating. Uh, <laughs> so I, I find that fascinating. But um, for me, you know, I, I got into meditations instead to control anxiety and stuff. And I heard it could lower blood pressure and it hasn't lowered my blood pressure. I'm still on blood pressure medication. Okay. It's not cured, you know, any of those ills. Uh, then after my daughter transitioned, then um, I heard, oh, well, you can reach these higher states and mm -hmm. you can actually communicate and connect with her. And I've done guided meditations to connect with her. And I've had experiences where I've walked with her and talked with her and wow. kissed her on the cheek and stuff like that. But it's, it's an experience in your mind. It's just like imagining that you're doing it. And so people tell me it's real. So that, you know, it's not, you said, I can't say that I've objectively seen her when I'm in meditation. Uh, and I've had that expanded feeling and all that stuff. But what I've realized for me is to stop pursuing experiences in meditation, to stop going into it with expectations and just to sit and to stop judging my meditation sessions. Was this a good one? Was this a bad one? Mm -hmm. If I'm sitting, then it's whatever the experience is. And the, the impact of meditation for me is subtle. And what I've realized over the years, it's made me a ability to respond rather than react, as I said earlier. I'm a lot, I'm a lot slower to when someone, you know, pisses me off to just lash back out. I, I've learned to separate, to slow my thoughts, to sort my thoughts, to say, I don't want this thought. And as I said, and deal with my grief has been extremely helpful because grief is all about perspective. We can, we all, have, we all experience this loss and we can look at it and just focus on the loss or we can look at this loss and say, what good can come of this? Let's think about, if I'm going to think about the past, instead of thinking about the time when this person transitioned, let me think about the 15 or 20 or 30 years I had with them before they transitioned. Instead of me focusing on what I'm missing now, let me focus on what I could be doing. Let me focus on the fact that I'm going to see them again. You know, people, I hear people say, I'm never going to see this person again. And I truly don't believe that. I've never said that about my daughter. I will see her again. So when I think about I'm not going to see her in my, in my physical form again, but I will see her again. So what, it, what this mindfulness has done for me, it gives me the ability to choose what I want to focus on. And by can, being able to, I hate the word control your thoughts because you can't control your thoughts. But being, by being able to choose what I focus on, I can kind of choose an emotion. And I went through a life coaching uh, certification. And this, I thought it was an extremely powerful exercise. The guy said, I want you to focus on like the worst thing that's ever happened in your life. And just think about that and think about the feeling you had at the time it happened, who you were with, and put yourself in that feeling and that space. And your emotions immediately just go there. And then you clear that and you think about the best thing that happened in your life. And you go through the same thing and your emotions go there. And you realize that in a sense, we can choose our emotions. Um, we can choose what we focus on. And that's what I try to help, you know, parents. I deal mostly with parents. I try to help people with is, yeah, you can focus on that or you can focus on this. That's going to make you feel bad. This is going to make you feel good. So what do you want to choose? I love everything you're saying. 
and, and I've always had, I've always admired you from the first moment we met and I've always had so much respect for you. And I, and I completely am on the same page with you about so much of this. Um, I just, I'm just adoring having this conversation. So I just want to say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, there are things that I, I might call mindfulness. Maybe some people would call meditation that I still mm-hmm. do and still teach. One, one example is just even like one conscious breath. You know, exactly. that, that's, that's an exercise Eckhart Tolle or mm-hmm. Tolle or however you're supposed to say his name um, that he has taught. Right. And I find that when you talk about reactivity, you know, choosing how you respond. I mean, even teaching a client how to do that check-in with that one. And it, it's such a simple thing because the breath's always with you. Right. You can right. access it in the middle of a traffic jam, you know, whatever, wherever you are. And just to inhale, exhale. And then there's this pause that the body takes right before the next inhale. And there's a space there. And so I teach people to identify that. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a, a form of meditation. But to me, it's just um, a mindfulness practice where we just observe the breath, right? And it can change your emotional state. It can change how you respond to someone. It can change, you know, so much. And our actions come from our thoughts. And I think our thoughts come from our state. And so what you're talking about is like um, practices in uh, adjusting or, you know, we use the word control sometimes, but I get that that's probably not the best word to use, but to, to really, um, you know, take the reins on what we're experiencing, that we do have a choice in what we feel, what we experience, and that the quality of our life really does shift based on, you know, yeah. what state we choose to be in. And sometimes it can feel like you don't have control, like it's happening to you, but right. something as simple as like the conscious breath exercise helps you to feel that, wait a second, I do have you know, I do have power here in how I um, feel and what I say and what I do. So I love practices like that, that help us to, um, I think it's just getting in the present moment, which again is where our power is. And even that exercise you learned in your certification course, um, like that's the kind of thing Tony Robbins did with us at the Unleash the Power Within seminar. He's all Mm -hmm. about changing your state, Mm -hmm. right? He teaches all these ways to do that, but it comes down to, um, I think we're talking about the same thing in different ways here. Right, right. Well, and that's the thing. It's it's letting people know that you actually do have a choice. And and when I went through this exercise, and I you know I've been studying human nature for I'm 58 years old, been studying it for 58 years. I took this course just about a year, not even a year ago, and just going through that exercise. And I, I encourage the people that are listening, just do that. Just take a moment and 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 go through the exercise. And it it's just amazing how you can you can kind of in a sense choose your emotional state. And I've, I've been practicing this, you know, like I said, especially the last four years, I've had to make real choices as to how I'm going to live my life the next day, the next moment. And with my daughter's passing, I've chosen to say, this was part of our mission. This is part of our plan. Um, everything I do, I do for her. Um, so I've, I've chosen to make this something that will benefit me and the world. I mean, I, 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 that's my goal. Um, so, and like I said, I, I, I do contribute or attribute a lot of that to the fact that the mindfulness practice that I've been doing that has allowed me to, um, when I read these concepts to say, okay, am I going to choose to believe this or am I going to choose to believe something else? Am I going to focus on this or am I going to focus on that? And I, I, you know, I have tough times. This has been a particularly tough week with, with my dog. You know, it's like she was 14, 14 and a half. So people would say, well, 
she's old, you know, she's, she's, it's time for her to go, but you know, still that's my baby. So I still have those moments, you know, where I, I'm like, that's my baby. I don't care how old she was. Um, but then I just say, okay, I've got a, this is the way life is. This is, I made the right choice choice I had to make. She's with my daughter. Now um, I'll focus on that, that, uh, that they're together and that I'll see them again. So I choose to focus on that the majority of the time. You still have those bad moments. You still have those thoughts that come in. Uh, we're still human, um, but it helps. Yeah, and so even the tough moments, I think what you're describing is being present with them, right? Just yeah. observing them, which is its own form of a mindfulness practice, just being with the difficult feelings. Because when we try to push them away, sometimes it's kind of that saying that, the, the more you ignore me, the closer I get. Like you can't really um, just shut things out because no. they, you know, and, and people will do that with not just difficult emotions, but difficult relationships or, or problems or debt or whatever. They just don't look, right? <laughs> and I think what we're talking about here is a practice where we look at it. And that's part of what I, I love to do, you know, with, um, with, with, with anyone I work with is to say, you know, it's not that we want to dwell on the bad things, the negative things, the hard things, but let's have a look, yeah. you know, and, and even having, I've had so many calls, Brian, where it's like one long, deep session where we just look at the suffering, where we just look at the pain, it starts to just dissolve. Yeah. And the person that shows up in the second call is different than the person who showed up in the first call, right? Because it's like they've been relieved of it in so many ways. And so, um, yeah, we can call that mindfulness. We can call it whatever we want to call it. But I think what I'd like to just kind of say to anyone who's listening to this now is that I think Brian and I have different approaches of going about the way we incorporate presence or, um, uh, hmm, how do I want to say it? <laughs> um, the practice, I guess, of, of yeah. mindfulness or creating um, a life that you um, get joy from, a life that you're happy with, a life that you feel you can. Um... Yeah, there's so many, there's so many words that keep popping up in my head when I think about meditation. You can see, like, as I'm thinking through it, I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking, is this the right word? Is this the right word? Um, but what we're, what we're trying to say is that meditation is one way. Meditation is a tool. Right. And it's, it doesn't mean that if you are on the pursuit of personal growth that you have to meditate right. it's available to you. It doesn't mean that if you're on a spiritual path that you have to meditate. It's, it's something that's available to you. Right. Um, some people use prayer for that and that's their go-to method. You know, for mm -hmm. others, it's something else. Um, and so I, I just don't recommend meditation, but I'm also someone who's completely respectful of those who meditate. Right. So if a client comes to me and say that they meditate, okay, cool. If someone says, I, you know, I don't, I say, okay, cool. I mean, it's, it's yeah. completely fine. We can still work on what you want to create sure. without, without needing to sit in silence for 30 minutes or an hour or five hours or whatever, right? Um, there are some ways to go about it. I don't push people to meditate, but what I do say to people that say, I don't like meditate is like, what have you tried? Um, <laughs> because for me, I love music. And it could be, I also, I listen to Kirtan music sometimes. I'll listen to classical music. I'll, I'll meditate to ambient sounds. Mm -hmm. I'll listen to guided meditations. There's so many different ways that you can find something to focus on. And it's funny because I love the song by Pink Floyd called Echoes from a really old album called Metal. And it's just a, it's like a 22 minute rambling song that goes from everything from vocals to instrumentals to 
ambient sounds back to vocals. And I actually put that together with a Kirtan song and I made up a half hour meditation that I listened to. And it, what, what I do when I'm listening to that is I just go as deep into the music as I can. I listen to every note, I listen to every word, and I just concentrate on that song and let it take me on a journey. That for me is a meditation. I wouldn't recommend people necessarily you know, meditate to echoes, but it, it works for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, lo- I love it. And, and um, I think there's a distinction here that I would like to draw out and get your feedback on. One is that there's a kind of meditation where you're almost doing something um, where you are doing something, you are focusing on something, whether it's the notes in a song or it's um, a scripture or it's something, you're, you're actively doing something, you're actively gardening, something like that. And mm-hmm. there's a meditation where you um, reach a stillness, where it's the opposite of that, is you're doing nothing, right? Mm-hmm. You're simple, you're simply awareness, right? I think those are two, two different kinds of having the meditative experience, right? Sure. Would you say that that's yeah. fair to say? Yeah. 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 When I do that type of meditation, for me, it's about, it's about the focus. It's, it's choosing some people focus on the breath and, but some people, you know, they get bored focusing on their breath Mm -hmm. or counting your breaths. And then you always lose count and you start over. Those are different ways of doing it. As I said, if that doesn't work for you, try something like this, because for me, the practice is even as I'm listening to music, I'll start to drift off. I'll start to have other thoughts and then I'll come back to the song. So it's that back and forth that is really what's developing that muscle to be able to choose, to be able to be aware, to become the observer. And this is not going to make a lot of sense to people maybe haven't gone through this because when I hear the observer, it's like, what does that mean? I'm, there's just me. But once you start to feel this almost kind of a little bit of a separation, you start to view yourself as, I, I, I say, I, I'm like an avatar or I'm like a a character in a game, this, this body that I am right now. And the real me is, is a little bit behind that. It's, it's the person that's, it's the person who can choose thoughts. It's the person that can choose the focus. And I, most people, I don't think even realize that person exists. Yeah. I'm glad you said that actually, because I don't know at what point I began to understand that concept, but because we've been on this path for a while, it's kind of second nature to talk about the observer, but you're right. I mean, it is, it is a new, a completely new and maybe even strange concept if you haven't been down this, um, this path yet. And, and I, I even remember um, there was a Facebook group that I had that you may have been in it, but we were talking about meditation and I had that experience of a walking meditation where there were no thoughts. I was completely empty of thoughts. And I was simply, I could just feel, um, awareness, mm-hmm. just pure awareness. And it was, <laughs> I remember saying in the group that it was awe-inspiring, but also frightening because yeah. what, you know, then you start to have those questions like, well, <laughs> if I'm not my body and I'm not my thoughts and I'm this awareness, like what am I, who am I, how is this working? What, you know, and, and it can feel, um, it can feel very strange at first. And someone in the group said that she had had that experience recently, like around they were camping and she had a campfire and she had that feeling. She said it was terrifying to her, Mm -hmm. right. To even, to even go there to think, well, who am I? What, what is this presence about? You know, what's going on here? And that's kind of the rabbit hole. I think that we go down when we start to study the nature of reality, consciousness and meditation Mm -hmm. fits into all of that kind of the search for the truth. Right. So um, for some people, that is their path. And that's what they're, you know, it, it's, it's truth 
truth at all costs. I have a dear friend that basically lives that, right? Mm -hmm. Just wants the truth, no matter how painful the experience, no matter how blissful the experience, Mm -hmm. just to go through that, right? And so um, I have complete respect for that. And I also know that that's not my path, right? That my path is I want to learn how to, um, how to create, you know, in this, in this life and how to love. And that, that's basically my focus is how can, how can I be love? How, what does that look like in life? Um, how can I, and I think presence is a big part of that. And mm-hmm. how can I create, you know, how can I create? And so when I stopped meditating, I actually replaced it with what some people call visualization. I, I now call imagination or imagining because mm-hmm. um, I study Neville Goddard and that's the word he uses. And I love the creative aspect of that. Um, so I do still take time to focus on my state. I take time mm-hmm. to focus on, you know, what do I want to experience in this world? And presence and love are, are to me, the spiritual components of that. Mm-hmm. But for me at this point in my life, like that is beautiful and that's enough. And that's so what does that look like what life you, is about. I don't know. <laughs> what does that look like when you take time to focus yeah. on your state? What, what does that look like? Yeah, um, it can look like a couple of different things. It can look like I'm in my regular life, like doing yeah. things. Okay. And I um, imagine what it would be like if something else were true. And so yeah. I have loads of examples of that, but just one quick one was when my husband was, um, was looking for his next stage in life. He had resigned his corporate job. You know, there's a lot, a lot of stuff behind that, but, um, did, you know, wasn't happy there. Um, and was kind of looking for what, what's next in his life. And I remember feeling a state, like just creating it, just how you said you can just switch your emotions, just mm-hmm. creating a state where I felt like he was away at work or doing something fulfilling for him. Mm-hmm. And I think it was maybe like three or four months later that he decided to enroll in school. Something he's always wanted to do is, is something in the medical field. So he's in nursing school now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it took to this point in his life that he was ready for it. But I remember creating a state where I felt like I was talking to the children about dad will be home later, you know, when he's done with, you know, this or that. And I would just have that feeling that, oh, he'll be home at dinner time. Mm-hmm. like just creating a state. And that's, that's its own study, right? Like the, yeah, yeah. The, um, the, the, um, the art of imagining and creating through that. But sometimes it looks like I sit down with my journal and I, I guide clients through this now. I love this. And we create a scene that if you had that thing that you really want, whatever it is, that mm-hmm. business success, that relationship, whatever. If you were really living that, what would it look like? What would your friend be saying to you? And we craft a scene and they mm-hmm. close their eyes and then I just guide them through the visualization of it. It takes like, you know, it could take 60 seconds or five minutes and they just live into that scene. And that's, that's a lot of what I practice now. That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah. And, it, and it, a lot of it comes down, I guess, to terminology because um, I'll do guided meditations, affirmations, where someone will, you know, it might be about abundance. It might be about bringing about a state of peace or something like that. So I'm working on a state, you know, yeah. I really like his name is Kenneth Suarez. And he's got these great guided meditations for stuff like that. Um, so, so that is like, I'm trying to, you're trying to reach a certain state. Yeah. So it's, it's the same type of thing, but it's a, it's a guided, you know, meditation uh, to use the word meditation. So. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's a really, um, important point too, right? That a lot of it comes down to terminology. So Mm -hmm. uh, when I think about meditation, what I am saying that I stopped doing is I stopped sitting 
for a specified amount of time, let's say mm -hmm. 20 minutes, and being completely removed from the typical experiences of life. So kind of, I think of it as kind of being recessed from life, like going inward. Some people yeah. say, yeah. right? I want to be without thought. I want to just experience um, just being, right? And and do nothing, right? Yeah. That's, that's what I stopped doing. And TM teaches you to do a mantra. So I would say a mantra, but to me, it really was doing nothing. And so yeah. what I have shifted is that I, I focus on presence, I focus on love, and I focus on um, imagining. Yeah, see, I've done actually very little of that type of meditation. That's okay. why I, was, I kind of have my own thing. I, I never did TM. Um, I've done, I have sat in silence. Um, I don't sit in silence much. I mean, sometimes I'll listen to ambient sounds, but I do a lot of, I do, I do a lot of guided meditations. I do a lot of things to work on my state. Um, I'll listen to uh, this music is called Kirtan. And a lot of times it's in, it's in Sanskrit or uh, I don't understand the language. So it doesn't matter what the language is, but it just brings me to a certain state. So um, I am, you know, typically working on on a state uh, when I'm when I'm doing my meditation. Yeah. Um, so I that like I said, sitting in silence is something that's something I do much. I do the walking meditation now, mm -hmm. which is just about being present in the moment. Yeah. Um, so I it's all and, and for me I change it up. It's just a feel. What do I feel like today? And I I pull out my app and I'll say today I want to listen to Kirtana or today I want to listen to Kenneth Suarez. Or today I'm just going to listen to bird sounds. Um, so it just depends. Yeah, there, and, and there's like a thousand ways to go about this, which I think we've probably hit on a hundred ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, uh, one conversation. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting. And I think one of the things that I would love people to come away from uh, listening to this is that there is no one right way for everyone. Yeah. And um, that um, that there's absolutely no need or reason to uh, put pressure on yourself or to have any kind of guilt around a meditation practice that, and I, and I do have people say that to me. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, I should have, you know, they, they get into the whole, right? Like even beating yourself up about a spiritual practice, you know, right. you beating yourself up about um, self care, which is kind of negating, you know, the, the, the intention of it really, which yeah. is, um, you know, to, to um, give yourself the grace of whatever it is you're seeking, whether it's presence or healing or, or whatever it is. So um, to let people off the hook about that a little bit, right? And, and, um, and to, to let each person kind of find their own path in the way that works for them. But the meditation, sitting in silence or going within or saying a mantra or whatever it is, is not a panacea for everything in your life. No. And it's not no. like suddenly life becomes magical and perfect and all these things. There, you know, it's still life. There's yeah. still problems. There's still, you know, um, ways that we need to work on whatever it is, communication or, or whatever it is that you're seeking. But um, that, that's, that's kind of where, where I am with that. About you, yeah, and I completely agree. As I said, I uh, when people tell me they don't know how to meditate, I just like, have you tried this? Have you tried this? And there's different ways to try it and start off slow. I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll I'll be at a stoplight and I'll meditate for 30 or 40 seconds. Just just be in the moment. Just just that quick thing can kind of reset, um, you know, where you are. Um, if you're if you're at work and you have a job like I do, you sit at your desk all day. Take five minutes out of every hour and do something you know get up walk around stretch just just reset recenter yourself 
So those types of things are something that I think that everybody can do. Um, and again, I, I prefer the term mindfulness as opposed to meditation because meditation has this connotation, as you said, sitting in silence, closing my eyes, going within, you know, maybe having some experience. Whereas I'm just talking about coming back to the moment, focusing on, on, on your thoughts and, and, and who you are and kind of separating yourselves from your thoughts a little bit and trying to get that, that separation, which will give you more of a sense of control of your life. Yeah. And as you're saying that, I was thinking too, it's, um, it's, it's a little odd to think about it in this way, because when we think about um, spirituality or meditation, we think about the intangible things. But what I've found too, is that the physical world can actually aid us in terms of um, uh, getting present or lessening anxiety or things. So, so when you're talking about sitting at a stoplight and meditating, I was thinking about, you know, when I would have anxiety and when I used to guide people through um, you know, relief from that, even the physical sensation of your hand on the steering wheel, you know, that's a form of, 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 of engaging in presence in the present moment and mindfulness or whatever you want to call it. But engaging in the physical world is actually beneficial when we think about um, um, peace, mm -hmm. right? Um, calm, you know, getting, getting out of our heads, getting into a state of, um, of grace, we might say, lessening anxiety, lessening depression, getting, getting focused on the physical world, which we do not actually hear that. I don't, I don't know that we ever really hear people say that, engage in the physical world, you know, as part right. of your spiritual path, but I think there's a lot of truth in it. You know, if you go on a nature walk, you're engaging in the physical world. You know, yeah. look at the leaf, you know, pick up yeah. a rock, like, you know, be in the world. We are here in the world right. <laughs> for, for whatever purpose, right? We are here. So, so, you know, let's engage with it, right? And there, there are um, benefits to come with that, you know, that mm -hmm. I think Absolutely. sometimes I would neglect, maybe others um, have as well, would neglect when you're on the spiritual path, right? So, um yeah, all these different forms of going about this. Brian, I have been so honored to have this conversation with you. Is there anything else you want to share as kind of like a last um, thought um, or anything no, else? No, I think we covered it pretty well. Um, yeah. I, I got it. I'm trying to think of I took some notes this morning, but um, I think I covered, you know, everything that I wanted to say. I, I just wanted to encourage people to, as I said, engage in mindfulness, however it works for you. And as you said, don't feel guilty if you don't sit for half an hour a day or, you know, or 20 minutes a day, or even 10 minutes a day, but try to find some things that you can incorporate into your life um, that will help you to engage in mindfulness. And we have to, we've thrown out tons and tons of examples. So just pick one of them. Uh, and I, you know, I don't get any paid anything by this, but this app insight timer, I absolutely love it. I've been using it for several years now and, you know, check it out and try some different meditations on it. And, you know, if you're the kind of person that likes, like to have need something to motivate you it'll it'll tell you like how many days in a row you've meditated it gives you milestones i like that kind of stuff because i like to look at it and see the milestones don't, don't let it make you feel guilty but for me i like doing that okay cool so insight timer something you use and how can people find you uh, i am at grief to growth.com so it's grief the numeral two growth.com um, you can find everything about me there. I have written a book on grief, which is the same name. It's grief to growth. That's available on Amazon. It's available on Kindle and just came out in audio yesterday. Uh, and I am, a, as I said, life coach and grief partner. So if anybody would like to talk to me, you can find me through the website. 
Okay, wonderful. And I'll put your contact information in the description here for the podcast episode. Um, thank you so much, Brian. Brian Smith, um, thank you for joining me. You guys can reach out to him. You can reach out to me if you'd like some, some personal coaching on um, any of the topics we've talked about here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brian. Have a beautiful day, everyone. And um, that's about it for today. Thanks, Bridget. Well, that's it for another episode of Grief to Growth. This is your host, Brian Smith. I want to thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to reach out to me anytime at www.grieftogrowth.com. That's www.grief2growth.com. And you may know I am a life coach and grief partner. So if you'd like to schedule a free half-hour consultation and see how we might work together, you can do that on my website at grieftogrowth.com. Thanks a lot and have a wonderful day. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.